and very Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a blessing. Uh, I know it's it just, a, I, I said this at the other Masses, but um, it's always an interesting thing. It's, this is my first time, uh, or it's my second time going through this, um, of experiencing Christmas for the first time with a new community. Uh, so it's a really big blessing uh, for me to be able to celebrate and uh, to have my predecessor uh, here with us too. Uh, very awesome uh, to be able to have Father Mitch here. Uh, also very proud of him to be able to sit in a chair where his feet touch. So uh, <laughs> that will never get old, by the way, ever. Um, um, no, so I, most people here know uh, I grew up in Raceland, um, and there were so growing up there were a few things that kind of marked the beginning of the Christmas season. Um, that, that, like, secularly, right, start, started to kind of mark the cr- beginning of the Christmas season. Uh, one of them was, growing up, uh, the, Dillard or, the Dillard's or Sears catalog coming in. Uh, that was the key. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know, a catalog is this book, and they had, like, things in it, and you had to, like, go through and, and like, actually find and mark stuff and fold your pages and all. Uh, you didn't have wish lists on Amazon, right? So we'll get to that later. Um, ask somebody here that has gray hair, and they'll be able to tell you about it. Um, that's a, that was one thing. Um, at Thanksgiving, uh, after Thanksgiving, one of the things that our family would do is, after we would leave Thanksgiving dinner from one of my grandparents' house, we would stop and we would pick up our evergreen Christmas tree, um, an actual, real Christmas tree. It didn't come in a box, right? Uh, it had a smell, and there were those nice little, like, little daggers that would fall from it, and that would get all over everything all the time. So that was one thing. Um, another thing was, is Magic 101.9 started playing Christmas music right around Thanksgiving, right? Uh, and then that was on loop all the time in my mom's car, no matter what, especially that stupid Santa Baby song and that Mariah Carey song that I hate, right? Like all those things, right? Um, so those were a couple of things. One of the biggest things, though, in my family was, um, if you know where my house is, right before you get to St. Mary's on Highway 1, across the street was my grandfather's house. And the, like, one of the things that marked Christmas for our family, uh, when I got into, like, middle school and high school, was my grandfather got a really, really nice, big nativity set. So what he would do is, is he would start putting, he would put it out right about Thanksgiving, right at the beginning of December, right? And it was just this beautiful nativity set. Um, and over the course of the years, it grew and grew and became more and more elaborate, right? You had some spotlights, you had, he had to actually put a deer camera because one of his grandchildren, <coughs> me, um, went, decided to move some stuff one night. But like, he, uh, he, he had, he built a barn, put it on, put it on like casters, like on some, on some stuff so he could like tow it out. Um, he had had like, hey, he had all kind of lights, all kind of beautiful stuff. But this is a beautiful, nice nativity set. Um, actually what he did at one point was he put a, uh, put a stereo system in it where he would have Christmas music playing, Magic 101.9, right? Like, and he would have this Christmas music playing. So if people would pull over and take a picture, um, they would be able to like listen to Christmas music and it was really nice. That was all fine and dandy until December 26th when they kicked back to regular music. And one morning we woke up and we heard Jesus was chilling out in his manger listening to Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, which was really fun. <laughs> But anyway, like, so there was this nativity set, and I remember, like, so my family, one thing we would do is we would sit under the carport and we'd visit and talk and stuff, and I could remember, like, looking across at night, visiting with my sister or my mom or whatever, and we would see the backdrop of a lot of our conversations was this big, beautiful nativity set. And, and, and recently I've been thinking about this, like, been thinking about the image of a nativity set, right? Like, we have, we're going to bless, after the homily today, we're going to bless our nativity set up here. 
And, and, and so often, nativity sets, they're so beautiful, right? They, 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 like, I know you've probably seen some like really, really nice ones, and like, they're beautiful, and everything looks great and perfect in them. And one of the things that I'm more and more convinced of in looking at a nativity set and listening to the gospel that we just read is that nativity sets also, most of them, are a really big lie. Bear with me. Because, because I, I don't think they depict necessarily the reality of what we just read. I, they, they, sometimes we can, they, they're beautiful in what they represent. They're beautiful in what they show. And they're beautiful in like the fact that Jesus Christ became man and like that this story actually happened, right? Like for Mary and Joseph and, and all these things. Like there, there's a lot of beauty involved. But I don't think they're real. I don't think they express the, the reality. And in fact, what I want to do tonight for us is if we can kind of contrast the reality of the situation and, and, and what we see in a nativity, what it can actually do for us, I think, is give us a deeper appreciation and personal investment into the Christmas mystery. Like, for example, when we look at a nativity set, we might look and see, like, one of the things is Mary is always beautiful. Like, like perfect hair, not messed up at all. Like, if you had the right kind, or maybe the wrong kind of nativity set, she might even have, like, some rouge and some makeup on her, like, on her cheeks, right? Like, it, 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 she is absolutely perfect. Yeah, chances are she didn't look like that after she just had a baby. All the moms are like, mm, right? Like, like Joseph, right? He, he, he looks like strong and, and, and very, very pious and like praying and, and like adoring his, adoring his son, like his, his, being there with Mary and with Jesus. And like, yeah, he's doing all the things. But what you don't see are the bags under his eyes because he just traveled for days, worried, sleepless, strong and protecting, but you don't see him tired. The animals are all calm and quiet, and most of the time the donkey and the cow are laying down. And they probably didn't. They, they may have been quiet for a little while, but they, that, that's not how they, they existed. The, the reason why I bring this up is for us, I, I think for us to really understand and appreciate the, the, the mystery that we enter into tonight, I think we can see a couple of different things about the nativity, about, about the coming of Christ that, that really is chaotic. That, that really, is, in, in, from a Jewish perspective especially, seems kind of ridiculous. Because you see, the, the Jews were waiting for a Messiah to come that was going to set them free. They wanted somebody who was going to be a war kind of leader, like a commander, like somebody who could go out and fight. They wanted, they wanted somebody like David, a king, who was going to take a slingshot and take out Goliath. They, or they wanted somebody who was going to be this strong kingly leader who was going to politically be able to overthrow the oppressive Romans. That's the Messiah they were waiting for. And instead, God subverts their expectations. God undercuts their expectation. God doesn't give them this strong, powerful, military, political leader. He gives them a baby in a barn. 
But what's the difference? What, what, what is the thing that kind of sets this apart? What's the thing that, that, that's different and actually more fulfilling and I think can speak more to us? Let, let, let's break open some of the details of this. That, that might be a little bit different than the expectation of the coming Messiah. The, the first thing, um, Jesus is not born to the, to the rich, the powerful, the wealthy at all. In fact, he's born into poverty. Mary and Joseph are poor. You see, in the book of Leviticus, there, there, was, a, there was a particular law in the Jewish law that said that when a baby was born, you had to go and dedicate, you had to consecrate the baby to God. And you had to do it through a sacrifice. So think of us the same way we bring babies to church to, to be baptized, right? Like, you have to consecrate this child to God, and you do it through a sacrifice. And the sacrifice could be one of two things. It was either a lamb, you had to provide a lamb to be sacrificed, or if the family could not afford a lamb, then it was turtle doves. So if the family could not afford the lamb, then they would use turtle doves. We hear at the beginning of Luke's Gospel that Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus is brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph to go through this dedication, the presentation in the temple. It's one of the mysteries of the rosary. And whenever they come in, they're coming in to offer a sacrifice of turtle doves. They couldn't afford the lamb. Like, like Mary and Joseph could not afford the very, very basics of practicing their Jewish faith. And they were faithful people. They had to do the poor option. Jesus was not born into influence and power and money and comfort. He was born into poverty. Let's look at another piece. We hear in today's Gospel, right, that there's no room in the inn. That there was no room. That, that like, look, we, we're, we're all, we're at capacity. Like, we don't have any more space. Hey, we got a barn out back. <laughs> right? We, we, we know that Jesus was born in a stable. Stable is a very nice word. It's a beautiful word. It means barn. Now, barn is a, is, is, is a lot of things. If you ever have been around the barn, or if you are going to be around a barn anytime soon, this is what I want you to do. Next time you walk into a barn, I want you to walk in, stand in the middle right where all the animals are, and I want you to do this. You take a big whiff. It's going to smell exactly what you think it's going to smell like. It's not a suitable, suitable place for a baby. It's not a suitable place for, for, for especially for any baby, much less the Messiah. The one who is called, like the V1, who is who's supposed to come and to save the Jewish people, to save all people. The Prince of Peace, right? Wonder Counselor. All those things that we heard in the first reading. At the same time, his, his first crib is not a crib. It's a manger. Manger is a fancy way to, and, and a nice, kind of pretty, cleaned up way to say it's a feeding trough. Manger in French means what? To eat. So, it, it's a manger. It's a feeding trough. So they, the, his first crib is not a suitable bed. Throw some hay in it, and maybe it, it's a little bit softer. And then finally, the first guest, the end of today's gospel. 
the end, of the, the end of the gospel that we heard just now. Our shepherds. Now again, we have a shepherd up here. We have a few of them, right? They look all right, and they look strong, and they're even carrying a little sheep, and it's so pretty and perfect. Um, shepherds would have been, as, you, as it said, living out with the sheep. Now my grandfather, the same one who put out the, put out the, the manger scene, uh, he was a sheep farmer. There's something about sheep that I want to let you know. They stink, they're gross, right? They're kind of dumb, but they stink, and they're kind of gross, right? And if you're living with them, just imagine what you smell like. Just imagine what you feel like. You're probably not bathed. You're probably not clean cut. You're much more of kind of an outdoor, you smell like the sheep. You stink. It also is not the profession of the most learned person. So you probably not, you may have some practical knowledge, but you're probably not the most book smart person. So these were insignificant, ignorant, and gross shepherds. And they were invited to be the first people that would come in and witness the coming of Christ. The coming Christ child. If, if this is going to be a king, they would usually send some kind of dignitaries from local kingdoms. They would try and do some kind of, it would be some kind of a, of a kind of a big celebration that a new king has come. But instead, you get insignificant, dumb shepherds that are out in the fields. And they're the first ones invited in. Now, now, why do I paint this picture? I mean, this might be like, you're probably like, Father, like, okay, I get it. You're laying it on thick, right? But, but th there's a particular reason why I'm painting the picture this way. Because there's one thing that all of those things have in common. The poor family, the, 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 the feeding trough for a bed, the barn for a house, and the shepherds for the guests. There's one thing that all of those things have in common. Or two things. Number one, they're not the most suitable for a baby. They're definitely not perfect. But the second thing, they are available. The perfect houses were full. The perfect beds were full. The perfect guests were busy. All of these were at least available. You see, for us as Christians, I think what we end up doing a lot of times as Catholics, as Christians, is we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect. God, God let, me, let me fix everything in me let me weed out all of the sin. Let me get rid of all of my vice. Let me get let me like get over all of my fear, all my anxiety, all my struggles. Let me get all past all of this. Then, Lord, you can come in. But God doesn't need us to be perfect. He only needs us to be available. God doesn't need to have the perfect place to dwell. He's proven that already. And if you, ha if you have a nativity set at your home, like ne next time you look at it, remember, nothing about it was perfect. 
but everything about it was open and available. Nothing about Christmas ended up being perfect, but it was all open and available. Like for us as Christians, the call for, for, the call for us as Christians is before we do anything else, is that we be radically open and radically available to the grace of God in the ways in which He wants to work in us. That's what it means to be a saint before anything else. Like that's the grace of this incarn- of the incarnation of this feast that we celebrate today, is that God steps down to you right where you are right now. That He is offering all of His grace, all of His blessings, all of His Holy Spirit to you right now, exactly where you are. As imperfect and messed up as we might think we are. And all He wants is for us to be available. He comes in, He'll make us perfect. We don't have to do it alone. The beautiful thing is is that the the mystery of Christmas that we celebrate today, the mystery of this feast that we celebrate today, right? it, it, it doesn't just take place like liturgically in a season or on a day. But it explicitly happens today during this Mass as well. Where the same way that God stepped down from heaven to earth to be laid in a manger, God steps down from heaven to earth to be given to you. Being invited into, just asking to be invited into all your imperfections. God doesn't need you to be perfect. In fact, He works His best in imperfections. As long as we remain available. May today, tonight, as we come to receive communion, as we come to celebrate this Christmas mystery, as we come to celebrate the coming of the Messiah that that all of creation, all of the world has ached for and groaned for, as St. Paul talks about, that that groan may may speak out in us as well. That, Lord, I need you to come into and speak to and work in the places that I'm imperfect. that our first step would just be to be available to the grace of God. Our hearts open and ready to receive. Nativity sets really are beautiful. It has nothing to do with the figurines. It has everything to do with the fact that so much imperfection could bring about so much grace. May today as we come to this Mass, our imperfections allow the grace of God to continue to well up in us and bless us way beyond Christmas Day. Merry Christmas.